What's going on, Lucky Lefty Nation? This is the wrap-up show, of course, on the Lucky Lefty Podcast YouTube channel. Notre Dame, 34-6 winners over Navy. The midshipmen, they come in. As we told you during the preview show, uh, you probably wouldn't get a lot of pushback from this Navy team, this edition of Navy. But there's uh, some things to talk about. There's uh, some things to talk about. There was a lot of complaining on the Lucky Lefty Pod Twitter handle as the game was going on. A lot of fans were talking about Jack Cone and some other things. So we'll get to that. One of the most interesting things before we get into, you know, before we get into that, let's just go ahead. Jack Cone was 23 at 29 for 269 yards, one touchdown, QBR 45.7. Tyron Williams, 17 carries, 95 yards, two touchdowns. That second touchdown was a thing of beauty. That man, you had to cut back, you had to put the foot in the ground, you had to spin move, you had the broken tackles. He gave you just about everything that a, a running back should show you in a full football game. He gave it to you in one run. And then Logan Diggs, eight carries for 59 yards, seven points per yards to carry. That young man with a touchdown. He's getting better and better. And it's good for him to play behind Kyron. And to have someone that he can watch and model his game after, especially having similar patience in the running game. So those are the most important stats. Brian Kelly did speak to the media. We'll bring up some video of his press conference. One of the things he talked about is how injured they were. Uh, you saw J.D. Uh, Bertrand uh, playing safety and running the alleys, specifically against this type of offense. It's very, you know, when you have a guy like J.D. that's always around the ball, that's really smart for Marcus Freeman and Brian Kelly to put him in the alleys, which gives him more opportunities to get to the ball in this type of offense because the majority of the time he's going to be right there, especially when they run to the outside. As you said before, when you're facing Navy, you have to stop the fullback first. And early on, you know, Big guy, you and I, we were texting back and forth, and we weren't too happy with Kurt Heinisch initially. But boy, oh boy, man, as the game went on, Kurt Heinisch started to make plays in the run game and in the pass game. Yeah, I mean, a lot of good things from this game, obviously. J.D. Bertrand being your best tackler, getting downhill and being in position to make those plays, he was crucial to the game. I think we talked about that. Uh, him, how crucial he was being to the to this game specifically with our injuries with fourteen being out, yep. and a younger secondary. So, him coming up big is something that was expected, and he stepped up to the plate. Another guy, Kyron Williams, we knew the game on offense was going to be big for him, and he also came through, especially pushing through that rough period in the first half and getting through in the second half where we put up twenty uh, something points. So. Uh, his, those two runs were beautiful, man. Just a thing of beauty showing his ability to run in and outside the tackles and being the workhorse and the, and the, and the point earner for this offense and this football team. So, you know, seeing our guys do what they do best. Avery Davis had a couple great plays he made out there. Brayden Lindsey got a nice little play there for a two-point conversion. So, And see the young guys, Logan Diggs, got a touchdown today. So seeing those guys in there, man, it was really impressive. But uh, like you said, man, it was some – it's just, it's just, it never looks like it should sometimes on offense and for some of our team wins. But thank goodness we got a, a 
a good defensive coordinator, a great defensive coordinator in Mark Freeman, hold it down on the defensive end with those young guys, getting them in there. And then, yeah, like we said, uh, like we said towards the end, just talking about how uh, the offense and the defense were able to come together and with the injuries. The injuries were kind of stacking up on us. That usually happens throughout the season. Injuries usually bite us at the at the wrong right time. But right. you know, what us being able to have the next man mentality, we're able to show a lot of good flashes of things and and just making things happen. Yeah, coming into uh, this game, uh, no one knew, but Brian Kelly talked about it after the game. Drew White actually tore his PCL during the week, and they didn't know if he was even going to be able to play. And that middle linebacker is very important to stopping that fullback along with the triangle of your nose tackle and your defensive tackle. And they did a great job of that. It's very rare, but this is the type of game where you can see it where your nose tackle leads the team in tackles with 10, two tackles for loss and a sack. That's just the day that Kurt, the day that Kurt Heinish put together. And then J.D. Bertrand was right there at nine. He's always around nine, 10, 11, 12 tackles a game. I don't care if you put him in safety. I don't care if you put him in outside linebacker, rover. Man, he just smells the ball. Wherever it is on the field, he smells it. He runs to it, and he's very good at getting guys on the ground. So one of the things that we tweet, we text each other during the game, and I want you to really go into it. You say, this is the perfect game for Tyler Buckner. Yeah, I think this was the perfect game for Tyler Buckner. We knew what we were going to get from Jack. I talked a little bit about it in the previous show, how he's going to be able to show veteran leadership in a, in a game that we should win in expectations. But, you know, being the, the guy that he is, I also knew that there would be things that would show some of his flaws, being that we were going to be in such an advantage in this game. And it, and some of his show missed some open throws, um, got sacked uh, with three, four man rushes. Sometimes it looked a little indecisive. So when the pressure's not on, he 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 relaxes, and when he relaxes, he doesn't play his best game. And this, why I said it's a great game for Tyler Buckner to really get in there. One, because we knew we were going to win, and two, this was the offense where we had to get those first downs and, and being able to stay on the offense. So it requires running the football a little bit more and getting Tyler comfortable in a full set against a defense that is a good challenge, but for us, we were we should have been able to put all those points a lot earlier in the football game. But also, too, is that Tyler has the ability to extend plays. This is a good team for him to really dive into a full game plan, getting prepared for next year. But, you know, he did go in there sometimes, make some good plays, but still, if we're just talking about building for the future, especially with guys getting injured and being in a tough position at, where we are in the, in the rankings, this yeah. would be a great time to get those young guys in there and get some continuity. Uh, Kevin Austin made some big plays today, but this is an expected win. So it's a lot of good things, but some the struggles early on just kind of is all what we always have. <laughs> yeah, Kevin Austin can make those fingertip spectacular catches. We just want to see more consistency from the kid because if he becomes consistent, he's going to be a problem. For teams right. every week. So Brian Kelly met with the media after the game, and he talked about the slow the slow start by his offense and uh, why Tyler Buckner got in the game and was able to change things and get some momentum going. Um, you know, we started to run him a little bit. Um, you know, there 
there was a little bit more uh, read at the line of scrimmage, um, you know, so we were a little bit more deliberate um, and, and, you know, obviously hit a big, you know, slant versus cover zero, you know, down there. Um, you know, it's just been a natural progression of getting him into the game. I don't know if there was anything magical in that sense other than, you know, we were running his package and it was a change up, you know, from that standpoint. You know, I wasn't too happy with uh, Tommy Reed's clean sheet early in the game. Uh, I thought he was a little bit too cute. Uh, I thought we could have lined up and just really dominated them physically from the jump and used different formations to really run the ball. But I thought he got a little bit too cute. Uh, if they're going to be dropping eight, you have to run. You just can't bring Tyron out of the backfield as your safety valve. You know, against that drop eight, you got to run some crossing routes, some other things. First two possessions in key situations, he was running stop routes and then out routes against a drop eight with a quarterback who really doesn't have confidence to let it rip. He has to see it open. So I, I just really thought that was interesting. You know, and then he went for it on fourth and two. And Jack has to read the fact that, look, I got to get the ball out quick. I got to get the ball out quick. And once again, I was confused by the routes because it looked like they were trying to run a screen to the right side. I really couldn't see what they were trying to do. But Kevin Austin ran out, and it looked like the receiver outside of him was coming inside. And I'm like, if you if that's what you're running – like get the get rid of the ball. Like why are you holding on to the ball? No, you can't outrun anybody. They yeah, that's just yeah. And those are just two cute plays, and when you it's too much going on, you get indecisive when it really could be a lot more simple. And when you're playing teams that you expected to win, you know sometimes you can get overzealous as an offensive coordinator or play caller. Because you want to just do everything, you know. You want to just make the big plays. You want to push it downfield. You don't want to. You sometimes get uh, ahead of yourself because you see so many things on film that you like and you love, and you think of all the players you want to get involved in. So it that's can the frustration of playing Navy, right? That's the that's the that's the the they downside you, of playing. They make you think you're not going to get enough opportunities, so you start to like play faster. Then you and really you play, have you know, start reaching, playing a little more desperate. But those yeah. are the things also that uh, you just rein it back in and you, yeah. know, you get a couple good drives in and then you get back on track. But, you know, I don't blame Tommy for his creativity. If anything, keep putting a foot on the metal for that. Uh, we shouldn't lack it in, in that area because that's what keeps us stagnant in, in bigger games. Yeah, I'm all for creativity. I just okay, thought. Can, can you give me a second? Yeah, yeah. You know, creativity is one thing, but, you know, when it comes to what they were trying to do, I just really felt like going ahead and being simplistic in a game like this was the way to go. Because physically, as I said before, this is not one of Ken Nuamatiolo, uh, one of his best teams. And if they had just lined up different formations and motions, set different fronts, caught Navy, we talked about it in the pre-show. Look, the preview show we talked about, they're going to shift late. They're going to try to confuse you. They're going to give you different fronts. 
And a lot of times you look like they're bringing blitz. They did the drop eight and the cover two pretty much all game long. They were in drop eight, cover two. So when you think about that, it's amazing that you get that type of uh, offense. You could have gone to a lot of draws. You could have gone to a lot of quarterback draws. Even when Tyler Buckner came in, you saw they were bringing the safety down to be responsible for Tyler Buckner. If he happened to pull the ball, the defensive end would crash in to chase on the give if Kyron took the ball or whoever was the running back. You have to counter that and just go quarterback run, lead, lead quarterback run power or quarterback draw to the right side because they're down an extra man because they have him trying to play the quarterback, expecting him to come to the left side of the formation. So, yo, I just thought even though Tommy Reese was trying to be creative early on in the game, I just really thought that was the type of game where you don't get creative. You're bigger. You're better. You're stronger. You line up. You give them different looks. And you play power football and then play action and get big plays. That's really what I was looking for from Notre Dame and Tommy Rees early in the game. So once again, uh, Tyler was one for one for 11 yards. Uh, Brian Kelly talked about it. The big pass against the cover zero down in the red zone to Kevin Austin. Kevin Austin almost broke the tackle and got in for the touchdown. Kevin Austin had a great catch on the uh, fly route from Jack Cohn. Fingertip catch, got one foot inbounds. He had a great game. When you look at this kid, once again, it's just consistency. That's all we want to see from him. Six receptions, 139 yards, a longer 70 yards, and one touchdown. And, you know, that 70-yarder right before the halftime to give Notre Dame that 14, that uh, 17-3 lead going into halftime. And it was the same halves, both halves, right? 17-3 in the first half, 17-3 in the second half. Offense became stale there in the third quarter. And uh, we get the safety, we come back, get the touchdown, the two-point conversion along with that field goal to score 17 points. Uh, the offense, they definitely left some points on the field, right? I think we can all agree with that. This Notre Dame offense had an opportunity to put up 50 points. And, and let's talk about Jack Cone because Jack Cone, in my opinion, had a couple of big opportunities early in the game, in the passing game. Uh, one was pointed out by Drew Brees in the red zone where he missed Kevin Austin in the slot. If he had immediately he looked to the right, if he had immediately come back because they were running four verticals against that zone, against that cover two, Kevin Austin was wide open in the end zone and he missed him. And he had the time, you know, eventually ended up checking it down to Kyron Williams, who ended up getting <laughs> doing a somersault, almost landed on his feet on that particular play which was crazy. But, you know, Jack Cohn definitely missed some opportunities early that could have had the lead even bigger than it was at halftime. And I expected this team to score 40 points against Navy. Once again, they left points on the field. They should have had 45 to 50 points easy in this game if they're efficient. And then, you know what, the things that irritate me, and once again, we talk about the offensive line play, which was very decent today. But you can't – this irritated my soul, man. You can't come out at home. I I understand – well, I don't understand it, but I could be more lenient if it's on the road versus a hostile crowd. But you can't come out with your senior right tackle 
first play at your stadium and get a false start. That that stuff like that cannot happen, man. That can't yeah, and it just shows, and that, and that just shows that the, it's just a, it's something missing within that click of the offense. It's something missing in the click of that team on what makes us the difference between us and Georgia. You watch it. I keep bringing up Georgia. We talk about it a lot, but Georgia today was down 3-0 in the very beginning. They ended the game with them just having three points. So it just shows that there's a toughness to that team. And for us, we got to be mentally locked in. We're yeah. just not mentally locked in, even on the games we're supposed to smash a team. And, you know, I think it just comes to getting comfortable with just overall how we just have success year after year. Uh, fortunately enough, our comfortability still gives us the win. It just is just frustrating to watch outside of some other teams that struggle that are really good and lose. You know, even when we struggle, we're not falling out of the top 25. We're not putting ourselves in a position where we're um, at a disadvantage on the schedule is usually our one or two losses and a bunch of games we win, but it's just tough to watch. So for us, uh, that mental focus has to be there. We got to get comfortable. We got to get uncomfortable again. You yeah. know, we're just too comfortable. And right now you look at the rest of the schedule, it's more comfortable games. So it could all be trap games at the end of the day. Man. I'm going to be honest, man, looking at the schedule and the games that I saw, but each team that we play, well, Virginia's on a bye. Of course, everybody has a bye before Notre Dame. That's just the way it seems like it's playing out this year. Uh, Brandon Armstrong, more more than likely, will play versus Notre Dame. Uh, He's coming off a serious rib injury uh, that he sustained against BYU, so we'll see if he can give it a go. And honestly, you know, it was going to be a barn burner if he was 100%. And let's just be real. If he's not 100%, and we're talking about ribs as a quarterback, the ribs, he might stay in the pocket and be able to throw the ball a little bit, but he's not going to run as much. Yeah, he's not going to be know. as mobile, you know, playing with those ribs. So, like you said, man, they had a bye. Stanford looked awful against Utah last night. Yeah. So that game, well, we always know we go there, as yeah, everybody's gonna play great. Yeah, everybody's and then play. they they just that's their season, and they play I mean, like look it. at look at North Carolina. I mean, yeah. we I told you Wake Forest was a sham that they shouldn't have been ahead of us, which I thought Coach Kelly was upset about, but they proved this right today. They had a great game with North Carolina, but North Carolina put up fifty eight points. 58 yeah, I wasn't points. worried about. See, I wasn't worried about Wake Forest being ahead of us because I knew that wasn't going to stay. That right. that right. wasn't going to hold. I wasn't worried about Wake Forest. I was, I'm was. i going to be honest, man. The team I was worried about that ended up getting out of the way today and helped Notre Dame both ways. Huge loss by Michigan State. They dropped back, but even more, it strengthens and makes the win by Notre Dame look even better because Notre Dame beat Purdue. Notre Dame beat Purdue, and Purdue beat number two Iowa at the time. And now they've beaten number three Michigan State. You know, so and yeah, we said before, Purdue has one of the best defenses in the nation. So now when you look at how the offense struggled, they definitely have one of the best pass rushes in the nation. So when you look at how the offense is offense struggled, you come to understand, hey, Notre Dame was facing a pretty good defense. And you know, when you look at it. That's that's a really good win. 
That's a good win. It is. It is. I mean, it, all, we want all our teams that we beat to win to give us some more credit on our strength and schedule, yeah. especially seeing a team like North Carolina take down a number nine team for what it was. Obviously, in Michigan State, we knew Michigan State. I told you about Michigan teams in general. We knew Michigan State was a sham, even though I love the running back in Kenneth. I'm not going to call him a sham. I'm not going to call him a sham. I'm calling him a sham. Well, put it like this. They're better than Michigan. They're a more complete team than Michigan. But Michigan's and, not great either. Michigan and Michigan State don't deserve to be ranked higher. Yeah, but I, see, this cool is my team. thing. I bet you, I bet you Michigan State plays a hell of a game against Ohio State. I bet you it's a close game. I bet you it's a hell of a game. I don't think it'll be number one, number one, because Ohio what Ohio State can't do, Michigan State can do. Ohio State can't Ohio State, everybody that Ohio State has faced that has been physical with them and chosen to run the ball, they're successful because Ohio State can't stop the run. And Michigan State is going to run the ball against Ohio State. It's just a matter of whether or not their defense can hold up and keep them in the game. Nebraska was able to do it today. Nebraska was able to do it today, but Ohio State in the Big Ten psychologically has an edge over all the Big Ten teams. You know, even the ones that sprout up, Ohio State does a great job managing, even when Penn State has Saquon. And there's a lot of hype behind that. Saquon popped off the first play, and that was about it. So when it comes to just the psychological warfare, Michigan teams in Michigan State and Michigan, they just fall in comparison to an Ohio State edge. I do think Michigan has a a quality quarterback thing they got going on. However, I do believe that Ohio State is, is off and running and proving that they should be in the top five. They're going to continue to win when it matters, and you know, we're going to continue to push ourselves in a good position as well. So there's no way they can keep Cincinnati lower than six now. <laughs> well, Cincinnati should be at least, if not in the top four or fifth. Yeah, so that fifth. makes us six. That makes us six. But let's be real. You know, I, I, I chopped in on that a little bit too. Cincinnati really wasn't impressive for the first three quarters against Tulsa. Yeah. They, 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 they weren't. You and know, that was that's that's strictly, that's strictly due to expectations. You got college game day there, you know, you done seen all the documentaries about yeah. how y'all go through in the season, how y'all become relevant superstars. You done heard it on the camera. The kids talk about it's the most attention I've ever got on a team, you know. So you know, and that's, that's regular right. stuff. That's regular every week stuff at Notre Dame. And that's why we're consistent because we we over the hype in that sense. So yeah, games like that are just pressure trap games that are built just like the Purdue game. But Purdue knows how to knock teams out when they're head in the clouds. So that's their twentieth. Uh, that's their twentieth all-time win against a top five team. Yeah, they, like they, they have the most. They yeah. have the most top five wins over top five teams of any program in NCAA history. That was number twenty today. Yeah. And they and they and they proved it. I mean, they pulled out all the stops, the double trick yeah. play screen. Uh just it's something about them, man. They got something in that Purdue uh that drum. They be banging that drum, something come out that that frequency. We, kept that, we kept that drum outside. I'm glad Brian yeah, Kelly yeah. kept that drum outside. <laughs> Yo, we, Jeff we, Brown, we, he got that play watching uh, YouTube from a high school team. See, you know see. what I mean. 
And, so, and, and the thing is, and the thing is, you know, when you play in a top five team like that, you have nothing to lose. You yeah. know, because next week Purdue will probably go and lose to Nebraska or something or lose to some, you know, FCS school. Because they, you know, they yeah. only become relevant when the, when the stakes are high, which is which is right. cool. You know, that's why they got a lot of draft picks come out of Purdue. They get good players. It's just, the, you know, it is what it is. But for us, we're in the catbird position. We're just going to continue to climb the charts just like a Drake song. And make it known that we're gonna make we're gonna win the games we're supposed to win, even though we're gonna win it ugly. But you can't count us out because we'll be eleven and one at the end of the day. All right, a lot of youngsters got in the game today. Uh, Ramon Henderson has been playing. Uh, Prince Collie got in at middle linebacker. It was good to see him out there getting some run. And Xavier Watts is somebody they moved over from wide receiver, which would be interesting because unfortunately we saw a non-contact injury there in the fourth quarter on Kyron Williams' big run by Avery Davis. Uh, it didn't look good. He was uh, on the sideline, towel on his head, and a lot of guys were you know, coming over and just, you know, kind of patting him on the shoulder pad, trying to get him up, get his spirits up. Brian Kelly, after the game, said they had some talks already about what they're going to do with wide receiver. They only have four scholarship wide receivers right now so we don't know if they have a walk-on they feel like can come on and be a uh, part of the game plan or if they possibly move xavier watts back to wide receiver for the time being and i'm gonna be honest with you from what i saw from number 26 you know i i think the kid can be pretty decent at safety he was bare man you talk about speed you know, covering sideline to sideline against the option. He was in the screen a lot against the Navy option, especially when they tried to get to the outside of the formation. Yeah, I mean, it's just overall, seeing those young guys play, that's kind of our secret sauce, too. We're able to, you know, weave younger guys in and get them some experience. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the cool thing about that is you see the side of recruiting, recruiting shows in those moments, how we had our hand in some good recruits that, you yep. may or may not have heard about and the Sam explode on the scene and make some good plays. Just sets a good precedent for the future, especially for a young team that we're retooling and developing as time goes on. It, and it keeps getting back to my point of talking about why Tyler Buckner should, you know, is, is in a good position to continue to get better stats and better numbers and going one for one for 11 yards. Yeah, he should have gotten more tick today. Like you said, it was very interesting when you texted that to me in the first quarter. This game was much more suited for him, especially the way, you know, they played cover two the majority of the time and then drop eight. When you have guys doing that, I, I think it was in the red zone. When he came in, they strictly brought the safety down, specifically to be responsible for him if he pulls. And then they were causing a defensive end to just go inside every time. Yeah. So at that point in time, I'm like, okay, either we run the straight option to the left and put that safety in a bind to choose between Tyler and Kyron, or we just run straight quarterback power to the other side. Because they're already short of safety. That's committed yeah, on the other side. And that's and those are the type of gritty yards we probably could have used today, too. I mean, he already running like Navy's quarterback anyway, so yeah, 
This would be just a like I said, man. Like I agree with you. I think this is just a a well a better suited game for for Tyler. I think Jack obviously is, could play. We knew he could play well in this game, but it's just an interesting mode to see us developing younger talent through the season, but playing with a veteran guy when the guy behind him is is most likely a guy we can see moving forward that. You know, it's just more to be desired in a season like this. Yep. All right. Ryan Kelly was talking to the media, and he talked about his youngsters, and specifically Xavier Watts, and how he sees his role expanding on the defense. Yeah, I think it's you know, you know, it's 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 a young man that we've been trying to get on the field. I thought he played pretty good. I mean, he ran the alley very well. He made a couple of really good plays late in the game. Um, but just again trying to get him comfortable to get him on the field in a more consistent role. Um, hopefully this kind of gets him moving, you know, in that direction where there's some confidence building uh, other than just in special teams where we can get him involved more. You know, this weekend, obviously, you know, a team that throws the football as much, we're going to have all hands on deck, and, and this would be a, a great opportunity for them to play more. Hey, cross your fingers. Cross your fingers, Notre Dame fans. You know, he talked about Xavier Watts getting more action, more reps against a team that wants to throw the ball a lot more coming up when they go on the road to face Virginia. That's not why I'm asking you to cross your fingers. Cross your fingers, man, because we've said it. 14 might not be coming back. Yeah. That's, that's real. And as time goes on, I'm, I'm feeling better about him not coming back, you know, so – and it is what it is. You got your red pen out? Let's get to it early. All right, let's get it. Man, give me a grade for Tommy Rees as the offensive coordinator today. I'm giving him a B because of a slow start. You know, I thought he just was just too excited early on, just trying to be able to – just trying to be able to do too much and get too many guys involved when he settled in with the with the guys and was able to get to our superstars like Kyron, get him going. It took it took care of everything else. So everybody else was able to to get in there and make plays. And it was good to see it kind of come together in the second half as a, as opposed to the first half. But uh, you know, overall I gotta give him a B. It's hard to give anything under uh, a B when you win a game like that. A star with the quarterbacks, as I said before, Jack Cohn had a decent game, 23 at 29, 259, 9.3. Definitely missed some balls, some opportunities early in the game to put more points on the board. Uh, Tyler Buckner, one for one for 11 yards. Of course, his impact in the running game, what he was able to do and move the ball and just change the flow of the game when he came in and give some juice to the offense. What's your grade for the quarterbacks today? Uh, I'm giving it a C plus because, you know, with teams like that, we should start faster, especially if we're thinking about playing in the playoffs and getting to those heights. There's no excuse for us to have 17 against a team and go three and out and, and struggle early on. So it doesn't set a good precedent for the future. Even in a win, it doesn't look good. So if we got to we got to make that position look a lot prettier just to give more confidence to the team itself that we 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 can win the must wins and we can also blow out the teams we're supposed to blow out. 
yeah, once again, we talked about that lack of focus. It wasn't just Jack Cone. Come out, first play of the game, false start, things like that. Just shows like, okay, the focus needed for this game wasn't there in the beginning. And uh, hopefully going on the road, you can't start off flat against a team that puts up points. You don't want to put yourself behind the eight ball next week. So hopefully they get that rectified, come out to a better start or with a better start on next week. Let's go to the running backs. Logan Diggs, 8 for 59, 7.4 yards per carry touchdown. Kyron Williams, 17 for 95, 5.6 and two touchdowns. What's your grade for the running backs? Definitely giving the running backs an A. Uh, once we got resettled and got Kyron the ball, got him going, uh, and got to see him be special like he is week in, week out. It just trickles down to the other running backs in that group, and it would, it's what makes the group stronger and starts defining who the next guy up is, and we got to see that with Diggs, uh, get a couple of good runs in there and get a touchdown. So uh got to give them an A. They're obviously developing into the core piece of the team offensively for scoring points and very dependent on when it when it comes to re-getting the offense going and helps Jack and Tyler out a lot. Man, the pass catches on today. Kevin Austin had a huge day. Six catches, 139 yards, touchdown, along with 70 for the touchdown. And then Kyron Williams had seven catches out the backfield. Michael Mayer had four. You know, got Lorenzo Styles Jr. a catch, and even Deion Cozy had a big catch, one for 31 on the short, quick post pattern. I thought they would come back to that. They did try to hit him on a uh, goal pattern down the right sideline, but I think Jack threw the ball a little bit too late. You know, because it was a mismatch all day. Their DBs were like at best five nine, five ten. Yeah, we got we're scoring got, seventeen points in the first half. Yeah, you got six four, six three, you know, on the outside. Like, don't wait, just throw it up and give your guy an opportunity to go up and make a play. Yeah, and that's just developing those young guys. They'll get there. They'll 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 see those type of things and these are the growing pains that I would expect Tyler to give more opportunities in a game like this because he's going to be there for these yeah. guys next year moving forward. So, yeah, I see it as a missed opportunity for those guys, uh, for Tyler specifically. But you know they're gonna they're going to be right on time and right on schedule for the next year moving forward, and even for later in this season when we get to the, the towards the end. So, what's the grade for the pass catchers? Pass catches, I'm giving them a, a B. Uh, Kevin Austin did a great job leading the group today, but I just want to see a little bit more consistency, you know, just overall us yeah. winning our one-on-ones and just continuing, uh, continuing to survive in drives and, and keep drives going. And our receivers got to step up. Like, all of this is predicated on us playing later in for those January 6th bowls and yeah. being prepared in those moments. We shouldn't be – uh, step hip to hip next to the uh, corners for Navy if we're trying to beat an Alabama, you know what I mean? Right. So I just right. think future planning for that needs to be thought about. So I'm not giving an A until we're doing that type of stuff. Yeah, I feel you on that. I definitely feel you on that. Let's go ahead and wrap the offensive side up with the offensive line. Um, from a, a yards per carry standpoint, the run game was really good. We had we Threw the ball 30 times and ran it 31 times. So that's that's balanced, very balanced. I thought it would be more heavily skewed in the run or towards the run against Navy, especially the way they were dropping in coverage. But what's your grade for the offensive line? 
giving them a nice B plus. It's just good to see them do what they're supposed to do. Yeah. Uh, obviously, start off a little slow, but you know, with those guys, as long as they're not putting us in positions where we have to require Jack to become Michael Vick and run around and make plays and Patrick Mahomes play to a, a victory. I like what they're on the track of and continuing to get better behind, you know, Jared Allen. Yeah, we don't want to do that. We definitely don't want to put Jack Cohn in a position to have to use his legs to make plays. Right. Yeah, man. I, whew, that's a scary proposition. That's a scary proposition. Anytime he leaves the pocket, I'm like, uh-oh. Like, this can't be good. You know, especially, you know, coming off that touchdown run, you know how cats get giddy. Yeah. Like, oh, man, I'm in my flow now. No, 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 no. Get rid of the ball. Throw it away. And I think he's off. pretty – and I do think he's pretty comfortable with his, his skill set. You know, he's going to run if it's absolutely necessary. And he's running to keep his job because he had to show he can keep the wheels burning that you can keep Tyler at bay for a little bit while. Yeah, Kurt Heinis on the defensive side of the ball, as I said before, 10 tackles from the nose tackle, defensive tackle position. Two tackles for loss and a sack. Player of the game got the game ball from Brian Kelly. Defensive line did a great job today. They shut down the fullback. And pretty much once they got up 14, as I said before, Navy won a game two weeks ago where they didn't complete a pass against Tulsa, which is which is in modern-day football. That's That's wild. That's wild that you're able to win a game like that. But you see how they had struggled you know, pass in the past game today, even. So the defensive line, what's what's your grade for them today? I'm giving them an A for just because of the challenge presented and uh, for them to be able to equalize that out there and uh, make some good plays on the D-line. Kurt Heinz, I know he has his moments, but he played well towards the end, the second stretch of the game. And that's kind of what we want to do as a defense is be closers and be able to finish game strong and, and get guys rotated in there. So as, as long as we keep guys fresh uh, in the midst of hitting this injury spell, we'll be all right. You know, we'll definitely be all right. And you know what? Just the defense as a whole, they played very well today. Yeah. Very well. Yeah. The, the familiarity of, of Marcus Freeman being familiar with this team from facing him every year when he was at Cincinnati and Mike Elston the same way with the defense and his defensive line facing them at Notre Dame, they put together a well-managed game plan. They went to the three-man front. We saw them in the bare front, five-two front. Sometimes they were single high safety. Sometimes they had two safeties back with the safety coming down into the box late at the snap. They just gave Navy a lot of looks, especially with both of their quarterbacks. There was a lot of confusion. Navy was really close to being – uh, to getting penalties for delay of game multiple times because they were trying to see what Notre Dame was doing. The clock was running down, and uh, they had some difficulty with some of the adjustments that Marcus Freeman brought their way. So let's start with the linebackers. We said before, Drew White playing on a, a torn PCL. We don't know his status yet for Virginia. Prince Colley got in the game, was able to make some plays. And, you know, J.D. Bertrand, he plays safety and linebacker today, so he, he's a part of the grade for both of those units. But first, let's start with the linebackers. 
Linebackers, I'm giving them an A just because there was a lot of times, like you said, where Navy looked a little confused and a little off kilter from what they usually do. We were stuffing a lot of things on first and second down, which is important in, in stopping their drive because we know we want to put them in a pass situation. I knew the game was going to be in our hands early when they threw a hitch on the first play and they totally, totally messed it up. So I thought it was going to go good after that, and it did. And, you know, all those guys, like you said, played well today. And for the assignment, being that we know it was a dreadful and tough week, they made it look really easy and that it's not an easy uh, offense to defend. So no. the whole group you can give pretty much a, a, B, a B plus or an A2 this week. Yeah, I agree, man. I think Kurt Heinis, this is funny. It was funny to me. He he learned his lesson early, right? Yeah. Because on that fourth down play, when Navy was able to convert early in the first quarter, Kurt Heinis tried to split the center and the guard, but he jumped off his feet, and they drove that dude about three yards back. Yeah. Like, man, you defensive tackle, you can't leave your feet. No, not against us. because we'll, Especially yeah. not against Navy because they get so low. We'll bear crawl you all the way to the end zone. All the way to the end zone. He learned his lesson because he stayed on his feet the rest of the game and he started getting into the backfield and being disruptive. So I just thought that was really funny early in the game. Like, come on, big man. Like, you don't get to leave your feet. You know, this is the wrong sport to leave your feet. Even That's basketball, right. they tell you, never leave your feet without making right. a decision. So Marcus Freeman. Like you I'm said, every other game, B plus A, you have to give yeah, him a Yeah. Got to give him an A. Uh, this Navy team isn't like other years before, but Absolutely. Know, still, Navy is still a tough offense. And Marcus Freeman is just getting his taste of defending different styles of offenses across the country, defining his resume. And he's just been looking better and better each week. So you got to give our guy an A. I agree, man. And Wisconsin won big today, number 21, Wisconsin. That makes Notre Dame's resume look better. Purdue's win makes Notre Dame's resume look better. So, you know, if we inch closer, Notre Dame, if they can get within, like, the seven or eight spot this week, they may be in striking distance if some other things happen in the next coming weeks. We should definitely be five or six this week considering – Michigan State losing, us beating Purdue, Wisconsin being ranked winning, and then North Carolina upsetting Wake Forest. I just see us shaking out close to six or seven this week. Or five. Yeah, it, looks, it looks good too, right? Like yeah. if you watch the game, you see the score 34 to 6, and you're like, yo, Notre Dame really dominated them. And you compare it to the way Cincinnati played Navy, you know, you say, okay. Like Notre Dame handled Navy a little bit better than Cincinnati. And we watched the whole game and we're sitting here like, man, that should have been easily 50, 51 to six. You know? And we should have jumped Cincinnati considering all the dominoes that fell this week. I think it would give us enough strength to, especially because we played the same team and beat them even worse. Yeah. And I just think people need to understand, you know. There was a lot of talk surrounding the slant this week when we talked about, or not from the slant, but from my college football playoff show, when you know I talked about how the committee just viewed the Cincinnati loss as a bad loss. Like that's the only thing you can take from the rankings. Like, yeah. yo, that's a bad loss. Like Notre Dame should not be losing to this team, and I that's echo right. those sentiments. At this that's point, right. 
and this level where the program is coming off of you know two college football playoff berths in the last three years there's no way you should lose at home to a program like cincinnati like i don't care how close they play georgia in the bowl game that that shouldn't happen so i'm in agreement or an yeah i'm in agreement with the committee like that's that's not a good loss that's egregious it's not egregious <laughs> bro you went you went the extra mile and called it egregious it's and egregious they, only because we're a top five school of all time from our football program yeah we're winning 10 games a year and we get beat by a team that just got hot two days ago something that shouldn't happen that's like if georgia gets beat by savannah state or a coastal carolina it just doesn't look good even if they got the number one defense in the world because you just like half yeah and then like you said cincinnati really hasn't played well or looked well since that notre dame game like they've struggled yeah. like Kansas they were at home yeah. today they were at home today and they struggled with tulsa you know i want to say tulsa was what two and is like two and six or something like yeah. that it's the media the media got to cincinnati and now they feel in that heat that's what pressure does to a team that popped out of nowhere and gets a lot of attention yeah you see it on their face. They they playing the not to lose, and that's a that's a tough way to try to finish the season. That I mean, y'all be Notre Dame. That should take y'all good ways anyway. Well, once again, this is the Lucky Lefty Podcast wrap up show. I'm Sean Davis. This is my guy, the original Lucky Lefty himself, Malik Zaire, featuring and brought to you each and every week by Nora Whiskey or NoraWhiskey.com, that premium American whiskey. Go to anorawhiskey.com to get you something to sip on as you watch the Irish each and every Saturday. I'm going to go ahead and just give you a, a, a quick lead next week. Take take the over. I think the over-under is probably going to be somewhere in the range of 75 yeah. for this game. Especially depend well, that'll depend on Brendan Armstrong and whether or not he's healthy if he plays. But yeah, this if you saw the North Carolina Wake Forest game, which was PlayStation 5 for real, it's like <laughs> y'all cats out here playing seven on seven. Like and that's just, the difference between us and everybody else. And this is my 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 theory of why all our games look like that is that our offense is really an NFL type of offense to where there's a reason why you don't see NFL games out of control 56, 58. Is because your your style of your play calling is you got to make reads and you got to yeah. really know what you're doing and do your job, and that takes a lot of practice and discipline. That you know some of these teams that are just shoot, run and shoot, and run and gun, they don't last when it comes to that end of the season. They're always oh, for sure. getting upset. They're always losing games they shouldn't because it's a flawed offense. When you're talking about a guy like Tommy Reese in a system like that, we run at Notre Dame. It's not it's not a system that you just run anywhere. You don't see what we run anywhere else. We're running two tight ends to going empty in the same game. So uh with us doing that, you're not gonna have blowouts, but you're also not gonna get blown out either because it's gonna take, you know, time of possession and many other things. So and for our style of what we like to play like, we're always gonna be in the game and never too far out of it. So yeah. 
Thank you to our lucky Lefty Nation uh, listener, Daniel Wade. Tulsa is three and six now, but that loss today. Either I knew they were a bad team. Three six two six. I mean, Navy two and two and six. Yeah, Navy man. <laughs> you know, took Cincinnati down to the wire in the fourth quarter. As we said before, yeah, what are you about? like that that Cincinnati loss, man, is just a bad loss. I mean, they played Navy, Tulane, and Tulsa, and literally have all three of those teams played them close. Biden team. You know what I'm saying? That's like being at the gym. That's being at the gym, and somebody wins on a lucky shot on game point, and you're like, no, 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 run that back. Because, you know, cats win like that, and they like to lead the court. Like, I'm good. I'm about to go. No, 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 no. Run that back, fam. And that's the way Notre Dame and the players have to feel about Cincinnati. Like, you know what? Nah, we need to run that back in a bowl game or sometime. Get y'all back on the line. Cincinnati hit us and we wasn't looking and ran. Yeah, right. You know, threw something that is and then hit the hands behind the backs. Yeah, that's it. Oh, man. But that's once a season, though. That's once a season for Notre Dame. That's the Brian yeah. Kelly era defined in a in the whole summary right there is the fact that we love to get everything else but the game we need the most. One year was Georgia. That's One year is Cincinnati. One year is 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 these the only game on the schedule that really matters. <laughs> It comes down to one game every year that matters, and we either losing it, and it's always the one the 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 off conference game, you know, the on not off conference, but when we schedule every third game of the season, every first game where it's like a Texas or Georgia or a, you yeah. know we got Ohio State coming up. Those are the games that make our playoff season every year, and if we win or lose that one, usually it depends. It determines our future moving forward. Yo, the Cam Hart Purdue tape lives once again. And what I mean by that, we've been talking about the job he did against David Bell. Man, David Bell today, 11 for 217 with a longer 53 and one touchdown. <laughs> yeah, he was chopping. Yeah, he was chopping when he was in there. Yeah, he Dude, was doing that very David close. Bell, yeah. David Bell has haunted every defensive back that he's faced outside of Cam this year oh, that's pretty right. much gave up one big play to him and then for the rest of the game was like nah that's it nah that's it nah that's it and you know I like I like what Purdue does over there I mean it's a program that uh will surprise you when they when they expected to you know they, yeah, they, I mean, they're a really good coach well coached team hold on one second one second one second well coached team one second so, I mean, look, man, when you talk about Purdue, they're a well-coached team, Jeff Brom, somebody that I would consider if the job in Notre Dame ever came open, he would get uh, an interview from me to see what he's talking about. He made some bad choices as far as his defensive staff at Purdue the previous three seasons. He rectified that this offseason. Now he has a top 15 defense, has the best, you know, arguably, the best defensive end pass rusher in the nation. Some people can go with Kayvon Thibodeau. I wouldn't be mad at you if you said that. But Karloftis, once again, dominated. Michigan State had to give three people to him on different plays to make sure that Peyton Thorne, Peyton Thorne uh, could 
have two to three seconds to throw the ball. Naylor was out. Jordan Reed was by himself today. Naylor was out for Michigan State. That affected the game plan, not having that big-time receiver who was leaving the nation with receptions over 40 yards or over 20 yards. That's a huge loss going into this game. And then basically in the second half, because if I'm not mistaken, you know, Kenneth Walker III at halftime had a touchdown, and I'm, I think 117 yards in the first half. And then the second half, Purdue made adjustments, and they shut, you know, the Heisman candidate down and just changed the total flow of that game and just locked the Michigan State offense down for pretty much the entire second half until they scored late in the game. So, man, Jeff Brom and that staff, they've done a tremendous job coaching up that team because they're playing with a walk-on quarterback at this point. And, and, yo, to be doing what they're doing to beat Iowa and then come back and beat number three Michigan State, you have to tip your cap and say thank you for making Notre Dame's resume look even better. And on top of that, you just got to commend the fact that they're able to not only boost our, our resume, yeah. but that's a classic Big Ten matchup. Those are classic Big Ten games where, yeah. you know, it doesn't matter if you're ranked. You're going to be in a dogfight each and every week in that in that conference. And those are – and they built similar. I mean, Purdue got some big boys too now, even though they may not reflect it on this, the records. For sure. They got some guys the same size as Michigan State. I mean, that's the conference itself. So each week, anybody can win except if you play Ohio State. Now, for us, it's just going to make us look better each and every week to see the teams that we are so frustrated about that we should be whooping that go and whoop other teams. So yeah. Yeah. Uh, we'll just keep cheering those teams on, man. That's the best part about our schedule. We can't, we don't have to cheer from a conference. We can just cheer for everybody we beat, and it just makes us look better at the end. How do you think your three keys to a dub turned out today? Uh, we didn't get 21 in the first half. We were able to get them off the field. And we had some explosive plays. Kevin Austin, six catches, 130-plus yards. Deion Cozy had, had an ex explosive play. Yeah, yeah. So we've had some. We had some. You can say we had some big, big explosive plays. I mean, Kyra's touchdown, the spinning, breaking tackle, jumping yeah. over guys. That, I mean, the kid is amazing. So, two out of three, I would say. Uh, other than that, scoring points is just the the thing we got to work on and continue to work on in the future. Yo, I will say this: this is the best set of uh, legs I've seen Navy have, special teams wise. Because oh, Hunter yeah. had a cannon. <laughs> in his leg. And, and the kicker was knocking the him in. Definitely, the kicker definitely had a cannon. I'm like, okay. Yeah. This cat, Ken, <laughs> Coach Ken went out and found him. It's a he special team. Him, even yeah. for the, That's right. That's one thing they can do is play special teams. They were uncharacteristic today as well because they averaged four penalties. And I think they ended up, if I'm not mistaken, I, I know they ended up with more penalties. They went over their average in this game as far as penalties but and you know what's yeah. interesting too i really believe six, six they, for 44 six for 44 for navy seven for they were frustrated. For Notre Dame. yeah they were frustrated when you get in first and, and nothings and second and 12 when you run in triple option you really get nervous because you're like man we ain't getting no push we ain't falling yeah. forward or nothing so a lot of their check with me's became look we got it we got a deep 
dig down in the bag right now. They just stonewalling us on first, second down. Right. We we know we're gonna get penalties because we're mentally, you know, especially in games we know we're gonna win by a lot. We're gonna mentally take some blows, which is a which is a shame, which we have to clean up. But you know, in the bigger picture of it, to see another win and then to have another chance next week to make it close the gap to get to the playoffs, that's all we can ask for. That's all we can ask for. And we'll talk about it a little bit more on the slant and Tuesday night when we have our college football playoff show when they have the reveal for week two of the rankings, which should be interesting. Right now, LSU is giving Alabama a game. And it's 2014 in the third quarter. I fully expect Alabama to come away with the win, you know, at home. But, you know, most people expected this game to be a blowout by now in the third quarter. Yeah, I mean, Alabama is not the same Alabama from years before. But the good thing is they got a lot of residue. So they're going – they're still a tough team to beat. Uh, LSU has been playing better as the weeks has gone on. It's just, it's just like the Big Ten matchups. Those SEC matchups are just as as difficult each and every week. LSU got not as big, but they got some big boys up there too. Just like Alabama, it's just that you know finishing the, the job and, and what Texas A&M did finishing the job. Yeah, gives, some, gives a battery to every team, not just good teams. Every team because Texas A&M at that point wasn't. The team that they are now, obviously, they're ranked and stuff now. Yeah, they they played really well against Auburn today. They shut down Bo Nix and that offense and that rush running game. Well, we knew Bo Nix. Bo Nix had been on a three-game streak where he played really good, especially in the second half of games. But they shut down that run game that Auburn wanted to depend on. Wanted to depend on. And uh, yo, I mean, you have teams like Alabama struggling with LSU. You have teams like Oregon struggling with Washington, but Washington is a tough place to play. Like, don't front. Like, that's one of the toughest places to play in all of America is up there at Husky Stadium. I never got a chance to play up there, but, I mean, you know, Pac-12. I thought Oregon was a tough Pac-12. It's one of the dopest. It's one of the dopest stadiums. I have family that lives in Seattle, and the majority of them graduated from UW. And I remember going to a couple of games when I was younger and my uncle had a boat and we took the boat to the game and docked outside the stadium. Wow. It was crazy. So you like see all these boats pulling up to the game and then post game, everybody's chilling on the boats, music blasting. And Husky stadium is built like it's similar to Michigan stadium to where it's built it feels like you're going down into the ground, like you're going to yeah. tilt over and fall onto the field, and the noise just stays in the bowl yeah. and just doesn't leave. So when they have really good teams, man, it gets really loud. It's a fantastic environment. I, I say for a true college football fan, put it on your bucket list. Like put it on your bucket list and get to it. It's a great atmosphere, so check it out. Um that's pretty much it, man. We, we we did the clean sheets. We did your grades. We checked out how your keys to a dub came out. We talked about the landscape based upon what happened today in college football, where Notre Dame might land in the college football rankings coming up week two this week. So it's been an interesting week. Uh, we, we were hoping and praying that we could get through Navy unscathed. We pretty much knew we would beat them and beat them handily. We just wanted to get through Navy healthy, 
unscathed. And unfortunately, Avery Davis goes down with what seems to be a serious knee injury, non-contact. We're down to four scholarship wide receivers. And, uh, yeah, um, Brian Kelly said they have a plan that they'll talk to us about later in the week for that. And uh, maybe uh, they can bring Randy Moss back since he <laughs> – since he was supposed to be on the 93 team, maybe he has some uh, some eligibility left. Yeah. Four wide receivers. Or, that's, or that's we focus on Michael Mayer. I don't understand. Michael Mayer is our guy. Well, you Good. know the problem with Michael Mayer, man. The problem with Michael Mayer is Jack Cohn. Oh, uh, yeah, that's true. The problem with Michael Mayer is Jack Cohn, man. Because, because honestly, Michael Mayer is open. At least a 80% lot. of the time. <laughs> He's open 80% of the time. You know, Jack Cone won't pull the trigger unless he knows for sure. Right? That's how that's how he got the mantra that he's careful with the ball. Yeah, he's careful with the ball because he's not throwing it unless he knows for sure that the guy is open. The anticipation is like subpar. Leading the receiver to the ball. Or leading him to a catch, that's not happening. You know, he threw one tight quarter ball to Michael Mayer on the third down where he ran an option route, beat the linebacker to the outside, caught it with his hands and got up the field. Like I said before, he missed Kevin Olsen down the scene. We should have been killing these dudes down the scene. I don't care if they were dropping 20. We should have been killing these dudes on, on fly patterns, seam routes all day. The safeties weren't fast enough to cover, especially when they were in cover two. Should have ate them up in the cover two. And we should have ate them up in the cover eight with crossing routes and seam routes. I see you shaking your head. <laughs> Look, we had Chase Claypool. We had e Equinemius, St. Brown. Miles e Boykin. DeVars Daniels. We got guys. Will Fuller. I mean, we just got to throw Michael Mayer the ball, man. I mean, you know, at some point, he's going to come in handy for us, and hopefully it's when we play in those teams that we need to be. Yeah, man. You got to put him in position to go one-on-one -on -one against a safety, against a linebacker. You have to. And I don't know if it's – they went away from it, putting him and Kevin Austin in the slot together. They went they away from it. Wide open. Yeah. Yeah. Well, <laughs> well, we'll see, Nate. Another week of uh, figuring it out. Yeah, on to Virginia, man. You get the dub. On to Virginia. That's all you can say. All right. This has been the Lucky Lefty wrap-up show, man. Notre Dame comes away with the <laughs> I guess you can call it an impressive 34 to 6 win over Navy when you look at the score. But for us, we're like, it should have been a, a wider margin. Yeah. Should have Hard to win the top football. Can't ask any more of the defense, though. Can't ask any more of the defense. You know, got your youngsters on the field, got them some, got them for some experience. And, uh, Maybe should have seen more Tyler Buckner 
Yeah, but other than that, it was it was it was a boring game today. <laughs> yeah, it, was, it was pretty tough to watch. Second, it was, it was a boring game today, and uh, like our guy Reggie Brooks said on the preview show, like until we get back to the point where our special teams are exciting, our defense is exciting, and our offense is exciting, and everything is popping off. Yeah, you know, you know, well. 34 to 6, man. We'll see you on the slant Monday morning and then Tuesday night for the college football playoff ranking show live. Six o'clock. We'll be right here for the reveal on Lucky Lefty Podcast. Lucky Lefty Nation. Thank you guys for your support. Continue to do so. Share, like, and commit, man. Go ahead and subscribe. Go ahead, man. Subscribe button. We need that. Let's do it.